everybody god bless you i hope you like my new lamborghini and i trust that it blessed you maybe one day when you see me you can ask for a ride in it um don't hold your breath it probably won't happen because i do not have a lamborghini however amen deacon garfield obviously wants me to have one all right well praise the lord i'm glad that you're here tonight um uh, what an awesome opportunity we have to come together to to share and to talk and and i'm so grateful that you love me and you support me and more than that i am grateful that you're sensible people and that you you do not have to agree with everything that i say to listen and to be supportive and i am very grateful for that nor do i need people who automatically agree with everything that i say i have no such need in my heart and life however I think it's important, Pastor, why are you saying this? Because I'm going to talk about some stuff tonight, and I'm not in a mood to tiptoe or to sugarcoat. You know, I used to always tell my kids, and I said it to you guys before, whenever they start complaining about things I saw as trivial, I would always remind them that ISIS was cutting off heads, right? Clearly, they probably are. We're not hearing about it, but you know, Vladdy Daddy is killing people, right? Vladdy is killing regular people, and and so um, we have big problems in the world, and because we have such big problems in the world, and this is not a church service, I think it's important that we deal with things in a little straightforward um, approach tonight. So praise the Lord. For that all right praise the lord amen pastor beverly god bless you so glad to have you on tonight amen we miss you haven't seen you in a while amen uh we're having a banquet coming up soon pastor beverly if you can make it amen and and i hear people saying pastor what are you doing if pastor beverly if you can make it i'll hold you a ticket amen i'll even spring for your ticket myself i would love to see you there all right praise the lord so thank you so much um <laughs> Thanks, Freeman. We have a lot to, dis to discuss tonight. Again, I want to be very clear. This is not a church service, right? It's an opinion program. So this is one pastor passionately in love with Jesus, passionately committed to his word, but this is just one pastor's. Hey, sis, this is just one pastor's opinion, right? And I want to be very clear about that. There's just so much going on, not only in our world, but in church world. And I'm going to say it one more time. I've said it not this past Sunday. We were shouting too much to remember what I said, probably, but, but the Sunday before, it is important with all the craziness that's going on in our world and in our church world, it's very critical that more than ever, we are people of the Bible not hyperbole, not pastors trying to be philosophically intelligent, not people trying to create something to wow and, and heighten sensationalism, just people of the word, people that are committed to teaching the word of God. Again, this is not a church service, this is an opinion program, but since we're Christians, we don't want to be a part of anything that Jesus is not invited to. All right, so let's pray together. Father, we love you. We praise you. What a mighty God you are. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come before your presence, not in our own goodness, but that's why we come in the name of Jesus, the only name that saves, the only name that redeems, rescues, and sets free. And for that, we give you praise today. Father, I pray you would speak, use us. God, let this be a fruitful, though enjoyable time. May we honor you in all that we say and do. Be glorified in us today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, praise the Lord. All right. Amen. I'm so glad that you're here. I, I was almost late because I was in the Bronx today picking up chairs. And you know why I was picking up chairs. We went out and bought 
I think six to three chairs today and we're getting more from elsewhere. But we went up and picked up some chairs out the Boogie Down Bronx today and um, really just kind of getting back in. So thank God we're here and we made it. All right. So a whole lot's going on and I want to get right to it in Jesus name. All right. Last time, if you just joined us, it's not a church service. It's an opinion program. Now would be a wonderful time to hit that share button, hit that like button. I can't believe I'm saying this, right? I never say this. Um, hit that share button, hit that like button. There's another button that you can hit that subscribe button. All right. I know it's share, like, or subscribe. I really don't have a full understanding of what that does, but they told me to tell you to do that. So please go ahead and do that. Amen. The Lord bless you. Amen. Anybody knows what that does, you can put it in the chat for everybody else to understand. All right. Let's jump in right away. Oh, I don't even know where I want to start. Can I start with gasoline? I think that's where I want to start. I want to start with gasoline. Is it me? Or is gasoline prices out of order, just out of control? Now, thank God we live in this wonderful, wealthy country called America. I know if this was uh, in Jamaica where I grew up, they probably, when gasoline starts getting scarce and the prices get out of control like this, they probably would have had a wedding. Only Jamaicans understand this, right? They would have had a wedding and they probably would have married gasoline to flour. <laughs> so if you want five gallons of gasoline, you had to buy a five pound bag of flour or something. It's the craziest thing, but I, as a child, I remember them um, <laughs> marrying things when things were scarce so they can sell other things. Now, gas is so far out of control. I remember years ago being at church and I think Mom Pudis was there. Um, and we were talking about the way things are and life is going so terribly that we think that um, it's not going to be long before gasoline is more than a dollar a gallon, right? We were in this current church where we are, hey, Asha, where we're in this building right now. And we were just loathing the idea that gas would ever get to a dollar a gallon. Now we see anything under four dollars and we're ready to get out the car and shout. All right, Teresa, thank you. Share, like, subscribe increases your network contacts and algorithms on social media. See, there you go. I keep telling you you're sensible people. All right, and you guys are smart. So if you hadn't done that yet, do that, all right? <laughs> Bridget Salmon starts siphoning gas. That's why we keep praying for Bridget's salvation. How many people with me believe in God to save Bridget, right? Bridget going to come to Jesus before it's all over with. All right. Now, there are four gas stations in Monmouth County as of yesterday that still had gas under $4 a gallon. If you don't know where they are, I will tell you where they are. Four gas stations in the entire county. And we're one of the counties with more gas stations under $4 than any county in the state, right? There is a Valero on Route 33 in Manalapan. Gas there is $3.89 a gallon. Then there is Costco in Ocean Township, which requires a membership. Gas there was $3.95 per gallon. There is a Delta. Sorry about that. There is, there is a Delta station in Neptune on um, that's $3.99. Right. And Race Star on Route 33 in Millstone is also $3.99. All right, so that those are the places. Um, <laughs> oh, Reverend Pat says when she first began to drive, gas was 25 cents a gallon. Wow, I can't even imagine that. All right, 
Bridget has explained to us that you don't need a membership card to get gas from Costco, just a debit card. Ah, and Len is saying the same thing. All right. Lenny, thank you for confirming that. Because at first when Bridget said it, I thought Bridget done went there and jacked up people for their gas. But no, she didn't. So all right. So you don't need a card anymore. Uh, thank you so much. And then Tracy said the same thing. But I, I want to I say something that I think it's important for you guys to, to remember. All right. Please remember this. Some of y'all are old enough to remember that it was, um, okay, so they don't take cash. You just need a debit card, all right? So that's at Costco. I think that's important. And they don't accept, see y'all giving me good information, MasterCard. So you need a Visa, debit card, and you can go to Costco without a membership. Now, some of you are old enough to remember not too long ago, I believe it was under the Christie, no relationship to Tyrone, under the Christie administration, when New Jersey had one of the lowest gas prices in the nation. Anybody remember that? If you ever traveled around, you know, I remember when gas was even like $2 and something in North Carolina and even in Florida, we were still a dollar something in gas and New Jersey had this cheap gas. And one of the reasons why New Jersey had a cheaper gasoline, of course, you know, we're not located in a big refinery state or anything. We had cheaper gas than Texas, right? And one of the reasons New Jersey had cheap gas was because there was a very low federal and state tax that was added as gasoline taxes in the New Jersey area. I believe it was Chris Christie that looked at it and said, as a way to either balance the budget or primarily to raise revenue, decided, and I think in one fell swoop, I don't remember the number, but it wasn't like a few cents. It was like dollars, right? Quickly, he added this gas tax to our tax, to our gasoline price. And before you know it, we had the same price as just about everybody else and sometimes higher than many, right? He had these significant state taxes to the price. In a time like this, right? In a time like this, when people are feeling it, people are still coming out of the pandemic. Um, Americans are still struggling. Washington is dead. There's no third stimulus check coming. There is no um, student loan relief coming. Uh, child care is just absolutely through the roof. I don't even know why anybody works anymore with the price of child care, right? In a time like this, when we're trying to get out of this, it would seem like it would make so much sense if the powers that be and I'm not making this up. This is not hyperbole. This is not just this preacher musing on fantastical voyages. That's not what this is at all. This is this is actual um, economics here. There is absolutely nothing stopping outside of themselves, of course, the federal government or the state government to suspend either all or part of the federal and state taxes that's added to the price of our gasoline. They did, you remember they did that with tobacco. They just, you know, kind of just sent it through the roof that you really needed to be addicted to it to still buy it because there was so much taxes added to it. You ever, you know, one of the ways you see how this works, you go to a state like Florida and rent a car, right? You will see the price of, $54 a day. And then you will see eight other things, local this, state this, 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 tourist this, all these things added over the years through legislation. And your $54 a day turns out to be $170 a day for the same car that was advertised at 54. That's what's happening with taxes. Both the federal and the state government could, could, 
if they cared. If they cared more about the citizens than they do their political careers and their political leanings. Both the state and the, and the federal government could suspend all or part of their respective taxes to ease the burden on Americans. But nobody's gonna do it. And one of the reasons why you don't see it, I heard one senator ask for it today, I will say that. One of the reasons you're not gonna see it happen is for several things. Well, there's a madman killing civilians in, um, in Ukraine. And as a result, we have an excuse for the high taxation. Keep in mind, we only banned Russian gasoline today. So this is a whole nother set of economics as to why gas had been expensive before today, right? Because technically nothing materially or sub, sub, substantively had changed, right? So let's be very clear about that. So now we have an excuse. There's a war in Ukraine, so it's understandable. There's emotional justification and rationale for it. So why bother? People are expecting that they know what that Russia sends us gas and they see what the war, so let's use it. Not only that, everybody don't want cheap gas. There are some people that are very happy that the price of a barrel of oil is at an all-time high because those people are making a lot of money. The high price of gasoline is making people millions. Probably not anybody you and I know. Um, I think I do own some Exxon stock, but mm, people are making serious money just like COVID made millionaires. COVID made millionaires out of elected officials who got the briefing about COVID in November, 2019 and dropped their hospital stocks and bought pharmaceutical stocks and made millions of dollars. This is, this is just regular old American capitalism done in Jesus' name. This is just regular. Nothing special is going on here, right? Not to mention, not to mention, I wish I had time to have, to have gotten the exact amount of months that it is. But you need to understand that the oil that is used to make the gas we're using now wasn't bought last week. It wasn't bought last month. The gas that we're buying now that is causing a limb to pay for is gas made from oil that was bought months ago. It does have that lag time. So the gas that we're now paying $4.29 in New Jersey and $7 in California and $5 in Florida for is gas that we bought cheap. You think there would be some economy of scale of some part that would say, you know, let's not start raising the prices until we start spending the gas that we bought at the higher price. So basically I'm saying the gas that we have was bought when it was cheap. So why are we paying higher prices now for cheap oil? Stay with me, people. You know me well enough to know that I'm going someplace with this. The President of the United States announced today that he is putting a ban on import of Russian oil. I applaud him for that. I am not as smart as some of you. I don't quite understand what took him so long. Maybe, you know, at the day before yesterday was only 2,000 dead 
Ukrainians, maybe 3,000 was the deadline. Um, <laughs> so I don't know, maybe he was waiting for another thousand people to die or you know how things get locked up in Washington, DC. Prima said, uh, Bishop, price gousing is illegal. No, not when the nation does it. Now, when, if it's done high, high enough up top, no. All right. So anyway, it's done. Better late than never, right? Um, let me ask you a question. So this is the issue of Russian oil, right? Follow me here for a second. We are not importing any more oil from Russia because Vladimir Putin invaded Ukraine. But here are my questions. Did Vladimir Putin just get corrupt? Did Vladimir Putin just start killing people? Wasn't he already poisoning people's tidy whities <laughs> and Im imprisoning um, political rivals? The dude shut down Facebook for Pete's sake. Shut down social media and says, if you call this, you know, um, operation, anything other than an operation, you could face up to 15 years in jail, right? Did, did he just become a horrible person? My question that I'm trying to get to with all the sarcasm I can muster is, he was always an evil man. He's been killing people. He's really, from everything I've read and researched, he's been accused of more human rights violations than, than the, uh, where is that country? Um, not the Philippines, that other country over there, near there. Right. So this was a this was always a corrupt human rights violating murderous brigand. Right. And we were fine dealing with him. And I'm not talking about our politicians. Right. I'm not talking about our politicians. No. Um, where's where's that other horrible dictator? Not Korea, no, 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 no. Um, more South America. -ish. I don't know why I'm drawing a blank right now. It, it'll come to me in a minute. Isn't that where Hugo Chavez was from? I, I can't even. <sighs> and we knew all of this. We knew all of this for a long time. And as a nation, not just our presidents, not just our elected officials, as a nation, we were fine with it. And in fact, we are still fine with it. Venezuela, thank you, Ger Gerald, right? We are still fine with it if it'll get us back to $2 a gallon gasoline. We will forgive Vladimir Putin for killing all those innocent children and bombing those hospitals and bombing those apartment buildings and bombing those schools if, it, as a nation, if it will get us back to cheap gas. Is this really a referendum on Vladimir Putin? Or is it a referendum on we as a nation that we're sitting there in fact, if you're honest with yourselves, if you're honest with yourselves, you will admit that the price of gasoline might have taken over more of the nation's conscience and consciousness than the people being killed in Ukraine. I'm saying this because as Christians, I want you to shake yourself tonight. You said, Pastor, don't go down that road because you're about to make this into a church service, right? 
I want you to shake yourself tonight and don't allow the world to set your priorities. People are dying. And if that means $10 a gallon for gas, for us to stand against the innocent slaughter of people, we need to be willing to say, I'll pay $10 a gallon of gas and start catching the bus again if I have to, but I will not support or side with the innocent killing of people. It's a time like this when I'm expecting all my pro-life compatriots to speak up and say, gas prices be damned, a life is worth more. And all I hear is crickets because I'm afraid, whether we're willing to admit it or not, that the dollar has more of a place in our hearts than the Savior himself. I've been telling you that for a long time and it's showing its ugly head. And I hear you asking, Pastor, are you willing to pay $10 a gallon of gas so that the killing in Ukraine can stop, I will pay $20 a gallon for gas. I will stop driving. Yes, I would. Absolutely. I will go back to catching the bus. It wasn't that long ago for me. And we must judge ourselves as a nation and ask ourselves, why are we so okay with this? We have problems. Hmm. I'm not done because I'm not making this up. I can't tell you how many times I hear, Pastor, you're so tough. Uh, <laughs> you're so tough on the American church. And you're, you're always, you know, somebody said to me, it doesn't even sound like you love America. For you to tell me I don't love America, you must believe that Jeremiah didn't love Israel and Elijah didn't love Israel. In fact, Jesus didn't love the Jews. That is the equivalent, my friend. And if you're not willing to go that far, get off of me. I have children that I love dearly. Right? In fact, I was looking at my outline, trying to outline my message for Sunday and realized my message Sunday will be to my children. Right? I'm in 1 Timothy chapter 5. And it's talking about how to treat old people. <laughs> but it, it doesn't mean that I won't tell them the truth. The, the, the willingness to tell the truth is not a lack of love. Maybe it's a proof of love. And we have problems. I hear you, Tiffany. <laughs> right? <laughs> You're gonna use your foot, <laughs> right? We need to we need to check our own hearts. Something is broken with America's Christianity. I played that clip for you last week when one of our Senate candidates spoke about the idea that. Um, she has more in common with Putin because he's a Christian nationalist. First of all, there is no such Christian. Let me just put it out. A Christian nationalist is not a Christian. A Christian nationalist is a political group that attends church. Let me just put it out. Christian nationalism is hellish. It's not Christian, right? It's, 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 it's racism wrapped in religious garb. That's what it is. Let me, let me just start it out. And Putin is a Christian nationalist. <sighs> Father, help me. If Vladimir Putin knows Jesus, I promise you, when this program is over, I will take my sneakers off and I'll put some ketchup and salt and pepper and I'll have it for dinner. I hear some of you silly people going to write me and say, well, pastor, who are you to judge him? I am not going to dignify that level of ignorance with an answer. You should have had an answer for that in Sunday school. 
And for those of you that will send me a little thing because you're in the culture and haven't read your Bible and God knows how long they said, who are you to judge his heart and so forth and so on, as if somehow there can be something in your heart that has no, you know, visible, like it's just this private thing and it doesn't work out in, in the public life. If your Christianity does not work, it doesn't work. And if you can name the name of Jesus and still have a wicked, evil heart, then what is the point of coming to Jesus? In the, first? the first thing he changes is your heart. So I'm not even going to answer that question because you're going to really get me out there today. Kevin said, I saw a flag today that said, Jesus is my savior and Trump is my president. God bless America. There's another person who's never met Jesus. And I know that sounds harsh, but the idea that that needs to be said together, that the idea that you would put that together, that somehow those two are joined in any kind of way, it tells me that beneath all your salvation wrapped around your little cross is probably your confederacy. And I will call it out for what it is because that is not New Testament Christianity. New Testament Christians don't run around saying, Jesus is my Lord and Caesar is my high priest. What are you talking about? When we Christians bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, sanctified the redeemed of the Lord, when we start talking about Jesus is my savior, I'm not even willing to put in the same sentence that Jesus is my savior and Clifford is my father. No, Jesus is my savior. Isn't Clifford your father? Yes, that's a new sentence. That's a new subject. That's even a new conversation. That's that old God and country nonsense that just turns out to be racism wrapped with hymns. I told you tonight was going to be a different kind of night because this is out of control. This week, A report came out about Jerry Falwell Jr. And let me be very clear. Not only is this not a church service, but we are Christians, and this is not a place for gossip. I'm not here to talk about his indiscretions. I'm not here to talk about anything he's done in his life that's between he, his wife, his family, and his God. I get that part. I really do. And I'm not going to be a part of spreading any of that garbage, true or false. Because there is no benefit in plastering somebody, even if they're guilty. I get it. I really do. So I don't want to talk about that. But now that he is fallen, he did this interview and he's coming out with some things about himself and even about his father. And this is one of the worst I told you so moments in my life. And I I'm telling you why I'm telling you that this is a horrible I told you so. For all you guys that's always getting on my case, a pastor, aren't you being judgmental? How do you know somebody's hard? You don't know if somebody's saved and so forth and so on. I am telling you, you can't abound with hatred. You can't be capable of seeing your brother in need and shut up your bowels of compassion against them when you have the opportunity to do so. You can't look back and watch somebody committed to the demise of another people and look the other way and say, well, it ain't bothering me and it's better than they've had back in the 30s and 40s, so this is good and I can look the other way in Jesus' name. That, my friend, according to John, is saying, how dwell the love of God in you? Rhetorical question, meaning the love of God does not dwell in you. I'm not making this up. This is not me judging you. This is me saying the fruit on the tree is rotten. It isn't a good tree. So Jerry Falwell came out in the Vanity Fair. If you get a chance to read it, please read it with spiritual eyes. Hear it with spiritual ears. You're not part of the gossip. You're mature Christians. You're fed better. You're taught better. And you know better. You don't want to have any part of that, right? But listen to what he's saying. 
This is the person who Jerry Falwell left in charge, his son. Before I go any further, who is Jerry Falwell? Better put, who was Jerry Falwell since he's deceased? Jerry Falwell, you will know, was the president and founder of Liberty University, wait for it, in Lynchburg, Virginia. One of the largest, if not the largest, Christian universities possibly anywhere in the world. Very strict codes, all right? Just puritanically pious. But that's not what I want to say about Dr. Jerry Falwell. To my understanding, Jerry Falwell was one of the initiators of the meeting that was called many years ago in Lynchburg. I don't remember the five people. I know it was, I know Jerry Falwell was there. Pat Robertson was there. And there were three other people got together and from my understanding, and I'm not naming names, but I heard this from good source. I heard this from somebody who was invited to that meeting and chose not to go because they knew that it, it wasn't something that God would be behind. That's how I got the information. <sighs> Jerry Falwell was the one that came together and made the decision with the group of five that since the Democrats had social justice on lock as their platform and the Republicans didn't have such a platform, it was in that group that the, the decision was made that anti-abortion and anti-gay would be the platform of the Republicans. Now, from what I understand, and this is just this preacher giving his opinion, from what I understand, it was never a Republican conviction. These five men, headed by Jerry Falwell, began this with, some of you will remember, the moral majority. That was his idea, was the moral majority. Being quite honest, it didn't make a lot of sense, especially when you put abortion at the top of the docket because most Americans do believe in a woman's right to make the choices for her own body. I know some of you think that pastor must be pro-abortion. No, I believe that abortion is sin. I do. You've heard it here. I do. I do believe that it is sin. I believe how America is going about protecting the life of the unborn is sin and is hypocritical. Stay with me. I digressed. Jerry Falwell came out in this Vanity Fair interview and says, first of all, let's be clear. I am not a preacher. I am a lawyer. As if somehow, <laughs> as if somehow, that is therefore an excuse for lack of integrity, but that's beside the point. Let's stick with the point. Focus, Pastor, focus. The next thing that he said, which was, which was pretty telling, he said, I never believed in my dad's religion of purity, and my dad wasn't as pure as y'all think he was. Let me read that again. I never believed in my dad's religion of purity and my dad wasn't as pure as y'all thought he was. Another quote, I really identify with the wilder side of my family, the atheist and the bootleggers than the, Puritan the puritanical piety of my mother. He goes on to tell a story. He said, my life was growing up with my father selling his books at the middle of a conference and I would just have all this money stuffed in all my pockets. That's the life I know. 
Jerry Falwell also said, this is Junior, that he believes that Donald Trump is moral. There's that word moral again, because he created jobs and made payroll. One more time. Donald Trump is moral because he created jobs and made payroll. And that makes him a Christian that the church just got behind wholeheartedly, no matter what else he did. I've been telling you that to traffic in hate is a clear sign of the absence of the blood of Jesus on the life. And I know it sounds like judgment. But I'm telling you, the racism that is so steeped in America to the point that one of the biggest murderers of our lifetime, that's there murdering people right now, is still being seen by many of these individuals that we stand with him. We stand with him because Joe Biden is willing to let, you know, pro-abortion legislation go through and Vladimir Putin is a Christian. If Vladimir Putin is a Christian, you understand why Trump is a Christian. And you see that sentiment in everything we do. And for those of you that say, Pastor, you're always harping on it. You know why I always harping on it? Because it's in the air that we breathe. It's literally, America's racism is in the water that we drink. It's on the streets that we drive. It's in the Jesus, our version of the Jesus that we worship. It is absolutely everywhere. Now, some of you might have seen the, 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 uh, somebody put together a clip of, of, of the, the war in Ukraine and how it's being covered. I want to just play a little bit of it so you can understand. I'm not making this up. This is where we are. This is where we've always been. And everybody knows that. But again, the problem that we have to deal with is that the church is no different than the racist, dark, bigoted world. And as a result, we are in the, the moral decay as a nation that we are. Why? Because race has been put to the front line even by those who should know better or claim to know better check out this clip real quickly and we'll talk about this on the other side me i'm sorry it's really emotional for me because i see european people with blue eyes and blonde hair being killed children being killed every day with putin's missiles and his helicopters and his rockets. And so, of course, I, I understand and respect. Me, I'm sorry. On est au 21e siècle, on est dans une ville européenne et on a des tirs de missiles de croisière comme si on était en Irak ou en Afghanistan. Vous imaginez? On est au 21e siècle. Now the unthinkable has happened to them. And this is not a developing third world nation. This is Europe. It's Robert Moore here. Now the thousand people were coming into Poland in just the last 24 hours. But you look at what happened in the last refugee crisis in Europe back in 2015. Poland was one of the EU countries that, you know, was hesitant to take in refugees. Talk about what has changed at a different position now. Pologne, parce que ça va être une question importante. Et je parle pas, on parle pas là de Syriens qui qui fuient les bombardements euh, euh, du régime syrien soutenu par euh, Vladimir Poutine. On parle d'Européens qui partent leur voiture, qui ressemblent à nos voitures, qui prennent la route et qui essayent juste de sauver leur vie. Quoi. Et ça, c'est une question qui va... Out ...in bomb shelters. But this isn't a place, with all due respect, um, you know, like Iraq or Afghanistan, that has seen conflict raging for decades. You know, this is a relatively civilized... Uh, relatively European, I have to choose those words carefully too, uh, city where you wouldn't expect that or hope that it's going to happen. When we see the media right. talking about Thank these you. Ukrainians as if they are... Have you ever asked yourself the question, how does America, and I'm not just talking about America, I'm talking about America with the church's blessing. How does America decide 
who gets the welcome mat from who gets a wall? Yes, I'm about to say it. You're sensible people. You can think that through. And to have seasoned, intelligent, educated, experienced international journalist making the distinction for us that this is horrible. This is blonde hair, blue eyes, people getting killed, people. Let's do something. This is not those other people. This is blonde hair, blue eyed people. This is an uncivilized people. These are civilized people that this is happening to. Operative word, my friend, is people. But we've never come to that. We've never understood that. And now you will see the nation open its arms to these individuals and we should. Let me just put that out there before anybody accuse me of some foolishness, right? We should. I have started to reach out to a Ukrainian church to see how we can be a blessing to those there. We should. That's what Christians do without question. When we see it, I pray that all of you, especially those of you black folk, listen to me very carefully. I pray and hope that when you see what's going on in Ukraine, your heart breaks and say, God, help us to do something, right? Uh, now, but what happened when those hundreds of thousands of people showed up on our southern border? What happened to all those Haitians fleeing their country? Not just because they didn't like it there anymore. We heard all the stories of violence and, you know, whether it's a gang uh, with military might or, or with illegal guns, a life is a life, right? I'm not telling you how to split your politics and split your hairs. I hear y'all saying, but but we're a nation of laws with your hypocritical self. And 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 you know, pastor, so you must believe in open borders. Can I just tell you something about open borders? I have been young and now I'm old, and I have yet to meet one person who believed in open borders. Right? It's just talk. Nobody believes in any open borders. Nobody just wants our borders open to anybody we want to come in. It used to be. And we were okay with it when it's just Europeans that were coming there and the borders were open. Now we want them closed. I want them closed too. In a humane way, I do. I don't believe in open borders. That's just crazy. But you're sensible people. I don't know if you remember Donald Trump said it. He said, why aren't we looking for people from Scandinavia and from wherever Melania is from and all those other countries? Right. Because when people of color need our help, America as a whole, including Christians, have not used the same meter as when blonde haired blue eyed people needed our help. Miller time is not even rated high enough to have the conversation about what's going on with the African students in Ukraine who are probably finding out for the first time that no matter how nice they were to you, and I hope all the Africans listening to me tonight on this program here in America, who when you come to America, and yes, I'm going to say it, and if you need to click, now would be a good time. When you come to America, and white people have this tendency of, I know it happens with Caribbean people too. White people have this tendency of behaving in such a way to make you think that you're not as good as them 
but you're much better than African-Americans. And you with your silly self buy the argument and think that you really are and start looking down on African-Americans. I hope you're paying attention to Ukraine and find out how people really see you deep down in their heart because it's when push, you know the rest, comes to shove that you realize how people really feel. So I'm gonna leave it there for now, but pay attention people. You know, one thing one of the newscasters said, which was so important, she said, these are people like us. Let me say it again. She said, these are people just like us. And when I heard that, Evie, I thought about how those people just like us were treating those African students just like us. And when that person is saying to America, these Ukrainians are just like us. I'm wondering if she's not telling the truth, that you're really just like us, that we are just like they. And if push ever comes to shove, we would treat our Africans just like Ukraine did because you're just like us. Now, I'm not surprised if America does it. My issue has always been and always will be those who name the name of Jesus because Christians that saw that happened shouldn't have waited for the police. Somebody should have said, no, this is wrong. Good luck. Then she said, this is not some, you know, this is, this is a civilized people. Guys, no matter how horrible you think I make this sound, I want you to know that it's worse. And that's why I keep screaming. When I keep telling you about the nonsense that's going on in the pulpits of America, no matter how terrible I tell you that it is, I want you to know it's worse. Somebody sent me a video today to listen to a pastor and to give my opinion. And I listened to as much as I could. And I'm like, how? In the name of everything that is sensible, could somebody go into the word of God and do that with it? This is horrible. This is where we are. And as long as, listen to me, as long as those of you with good sense is still running around talking stupid. Oh, pastor told me, you know, pastor, um, you can do what you want to do, but I'm not getting involved in this political stuff. I'm not, you know, I know we are brothers and we just need to get together and serve the Lord together and so forth. And that sounds really good, but it's so naive. Not only is it naive, it's absolutely irresponsible because you have a biblical obligation, especially as it relates to the body of Christ, that when you see things that are off, especially things that mars the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you have an obligation to say something about it. No, again, you're sensible people. You don't run around typecasting all types of people because of what even many or most of that type of people do. You don't want it done to you, so you shouldn't do it to others. And if you're lucky like me, the Lord will always keep some people in your life to remind you that everybody is not the same way. You know, I think about that all the time. I thank God I won't say their names on the show. I've got some friends and some of you know where they are over on uh, uh, Joline Avenue in Long Branch. Great church over there. I keep telling the Lord every time I think about them and praying for them, Lord, please don't let them lose their minds too because if they lose their minds too, I'm in trouble. Guys, it's, it's, it's pandemic level. And we have to be the kind of Christians that say we love Jesus, we stand on his word, that New Testament Christianity is the only Christianity there is. There's no Christian nationalism. There is no God and country and all that stuff. You know, Jesus says something like, you can't have no other God before me. Another pastor said, you can't have none beside me. We need to be careful about these things. We need to pray, but we need to be vocal. We need to say something when we see things that mars the gospel and put gives a bloody nose to the name of Christ. I could tell you 
for years now that this moral majority was right for men. They were neither moral nor the majority. That it was more political than it was pious. As I've always felt about this pro-life movement, I am with the message. But the movement has been ungodly. I am completely with the message. I feel the same way, honestly. Let me just say this now before anybody just make the rest of you, that's not angry, the rest of you. I feel the same way about the Black Lives Matter message and have some issues with the Black Lives Matter movement. Not because, you know, well, I can't, no, no, because I'm a Christian. And, and I'm going to stand with anybody that's standing against injustice. But when it gets to the point that I see situations where um, blackness is starting to be elevated above and all the other kind of stuff, yeah, I'm going to speak out about it because that's not Christian either. You know, you don't, you don't fix a wrong with another one. But we'll work that out. But we need to be very careful that our eyes are open. And when God gives us an opportunity to say something about the racism and the injustice, not the one in America, but the one in the American church, that we're bold enough, gracious enough, humble enough, loving enough, but assertive enough to speak the truth in love and say, this is not what people who named the name of Jesus did. That's my point to all of this tonight, not to further infuriate you, but to open your eyes. It is indeed time to pray. Before we go tonight, if you see the grin on my face, is because I am a proud grandparent. And you said, ah, no, I am not the proud grandparent of a new grandchild. Please ask my children, please, I have enough grandchildren. Stop it. That's not the point. I want to congratulate my daughter, Paige, my granddaughter, Paige, who arrived in Houston, Texas this morning to represent her university in the National Battle of the Brains competition. Yes. In case you missed that, you see those brainiac uh, <laughs> competitions on television, all the universities doing their little, you know, Jeopardy-like thing. Paige is representing her university. And I'm so proud of you. Go, Paige. Paige is a, I think she's a junior on a full academic scholarship doing big things, and I'm so proud of you. Paige, congratulations. We're so proud of you, and I trust that when you see this, you'll know that your granddad loves you. I'm so proud of your parents who do such a wonderful job and have done such a wonderful job in the young lady you have become. You're smarter than all of us, <laughs> and we say congratulations to you. All right, amen. The Lord bless you. Hey, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Um, I'm so glad that you're here. I trust that you were blessed. Amen. And I trust more than anything that you have a reason to know that it is indeed time to pray. I'm so grateful to you. Thank God for Miller time because you know I don't preach much during March. I got one more Sunday I'm preaching though. I had to kind of preempt the schedule just because I wanted to get through some things. So, hey, we love you. Thank you for joining us tonight. For those of you that shared it, I see some private chats and things going on. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. I trust that this blessed you tonight. Have a wonderful week. Hey, stay healthy. The weather's all over the place. All right. Let's let's continue to, to make wise decisions and allow the Lord to, to, to continue to bless his people. All right. Looking forward to seeing you this Sunday. We're back at church in service, in-house. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much. Until next time, this is Bishop Cedric saying God bless you. Have a wonderful evening.